Well, welcome, guys, once again to another episode of the Nitrogen Podcast. We are not hanging about today whatsoever. We've had a busy couple of days. Brian over there's had a busy week or so, and uh, I've had a lot of fun watching these past two Nitros over the past couple of hours, in fact, whilst doing a lot of cooking and all the rest of it. How's, uh, how's life treating you over there, I'm not Brian? too bad. I've got a bit of a cold, so I apologise if I've got a few sniffles, the odd cough, the odd sneeze. Uh, sneeze? Sneeze. Easy for me to say. But yeah, uh, let's just get on with it, because I just all I really want to do is doze myself up on sip and go back to bed. <laughs> no problem with that, mate. No problem at all. Natural 30, April 1st, 1996, going down from Cleveland, Ohio. And we're straight into it, just like we're straight into it on Nitro here. It seems like the guys at CNN Center and Nitro HQ enjoyed that unexpected opening last time. And this time we're going to get Sting and the Giants squaring off while the commentators tell us that Jimmy Hart has paid off Harlem Heat, who was supposed to be the tag team to face Giant and Sting. I don't know how Giant and Sting have managed to become a tag team, but there you go. But also, I think Giants had a bit of a, a, bit of a payoff as well from Jimmy Hart to try and turn himself against Sting uh, and give a little bit of fucking credence or a little bit more uh, animosity between Lex Luger and Sting because obviously Jimmy Hart's just being a little bitch about all this. Um, Sting goes straight into it, goes to town on the Giant. I've never, I don't think I've ever seen somebody come out of the block so quick as Sting has uh, against the Giant in all the time that he's been on Nitro. He gives a lot of rights and a lot of kicks as well. He knocks Giant off his legs with two shoulder blocks, one of which was bouncing off the ropes and the other one was off the top rope. But as he continues his onslaught, Giant rises straight back up and just absorbs a crossbody attempt before sending Sting right out of the ring. He throws Sting with his head into the guardrail, which is probably 15 feet away, and then Gorilla Press slams Sting back into the ring. Giant maniacally laughs as he gets back into the ring. But would you believe it, Lex Luger comes rushing out to save or to help Sting to a huge ovation from the crowd. The two stand tall as the referee signals for the bell, either for a count-out or more, li more likely just because Lex has arrived, even though there was no actual rule broken again. This is becoming a common theme. And the, quote, win would probably go to the Giant. Hart and Giant leave up the ramp while Hart screams, you'll be sorry, multiple times as we run the Nitro opening. Whoa, boy. Fucking hell, that's a good way to start. It was, indeed. Um, I really expected Lex to turn right here and there. But, mm. thankfully not. Um, this is one of the best storylines we've actually got on Nitro so far. The slow turn for Lex. Even if it actually does happen eventually. I'm, I'm expecting it does. I might be completely wrong with that. But if it, you know, when it does, oh, that's going to be one big payoff. Yeah. And Lex has um, been very entertaining along the way. But speaking of turns... Um, I hope people have got a counter for this, you know, but the Giants just turned face and then heel within a fucking week. No, I didn't see this. I've uh, I've read a couple of things online and everything like that about this episode and, well, the episodes that we're covering here, but I, I don't remember Giant turning face. Yeah, because he, he attacked uh, Kevin Sullivan. Now, that was Arn Anderson doing all that. He, he, he was the one that manipulated that. He attacked Kevin Sullivan... And then he attacks on Anderson and then just leaves everybody. He's just like, I'm out of here. That, to me, suggests that he was turning face. Right. You know, if not, I, there I, was an allusion to it happening. And then within a week, that's completely gone. Yeah, definitely an illusion. Definitely kind of asking the question, well, is he face or isn't he? That's that's my opinion. I, I, I didn't take it as face. I just took it as the giant being 
you know, a big fucking crazy human being and just fucking wiping everybody out. Um, but I, I, I don't know. I still would have had him as a as a heel personally, even though he's not aligned with the heels, the heel conglomerate that's trying to take out Hulk Hogan. Um, my personal opinion, but you're on the side of many others who, who believe that he has turned face. But I guess, I guess the confusion is, is that. Jimmy Hart's not asking anything. Kevin Sullivan's not asking anything. Arn Anderson's not asking anything. They're just like, yeah, that happened. We're okay with it now. Like, yeah. a little bit of story development would have gone a long way. Just somebody saying, like, yeah, they've had, they've had the problems uh, previously, you know. Uh, but it's all patched up. You know, the, it's all business. Whatever explanation you want to go with. Just an explanation would have helped. But no, this, they're just okay with it. Yep. It, it, you know, he think- chokes Sanders last week. Yeah. Water under the I bridge. think this is part of the problem that Nitro's got is that they they don't they don't elaborate on any details that might have happened on Saturday night or um, you know any anything else that's sort of in between you know like they do main event and all that sort of stuff they don't elaborate they do elaborate on certain things but I'd presume that like the commentary people and you know when the wrestlers are actually wrestling on Saturday night things are happening but we don't get those details on Nitro which is a shame really no but then they'll have. Uh... They'll, they'll have Jimmy Hart paying off all them heat and the giant before the show starts, and then show us the fucking footage of it later on. Like, yeah, that that I also find very weird. Like, I get the hot opener and all that, but y- y- just the fact that you had all them heat actually coming out before the opener as well. It's that kind of thing. I just find really fucking weird. I don't know yeah. if you're on a dip- if you're on if you're of a different opinion on that. But for me, like I'm just used to things actually happening on the show rather than happening before the show. You know, things that actually happen in the actual arena, not something that happens backstage. That you can get away with for me, but I'm just so used to these kind of things, entrances happening on the show, or if there's no entrance on the show, they're actually there waiting in the ring, and then something happening, not something happening before the open credits. I don't know, but I, it, it just kind of stuck in my craw a little bit. Yeah, well, just this starting off is just again to, to to give you the unpredictability of oh shit, we've got to fucking start right now because un- unpredictable things are happening. Yeah, and I did kind of like that they elaborated by showing us some actual footage, but it's well out of what WCW normally do. Yeah, they'll just say oh yeah, fucking what's his face has decided this, and and we're just gonna roll with it sort of thing with no evidence to back it up. Yeah, I mean, two minds of it. You know, I'm glad that they actually elaborated on it. Uh, they elaborated on something. Yeah, and. Um, Harlem Heat got paid for doing absolutely nothing. Just turn up, turn up on TV, get paid, go home. Yeah, they got two checks. <laughs> yeah. Um, so as the Nitro Open has, has now happened, I can go through the dark matches. <laughs> I don't know why I've put them here. Uh, Alex Wright defeated Disco Inferno. The American Males defeated Colonel Robert Parker and Dick Slater. And the Renegade defeated Rock or Rock. Wow. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> As we come back, we're shown footage, for, as you just said, of Hart giving Harlem Heat an envelope to stop them from tagging against Sting. Turns out WCW actually said that the Giant couldn't step in for Lex Luger, but why couldn't Lex Luger fight? So we've been given some elaboration as to why Harlem Heat aren't going to fight because they've been paid off, but why can't Lex Luger fight with Sting? Or is it because he's got a title shot later on? Maybe. Who knows? I anyway, we're going to jump... I seriously hope my bosses aren't listening to this, and God willing, they probably aren't, but... I wouldn't mind when I'm really entering work, someone comes up to me with an envelope saying, hey, here's some money, don't do your job tonight. I'd be fucking grateful for that. I night off and get paid for it. <laughs> i got to say, that's me right now being furloughed. It Although is. I'm not walking into work. <laughs> just get an email every week and it's just like, oh, money. Great. <laughs> 
Next up is the Steiners versus the Nasties versus the Road Warriors. Um, unfortunately, I'm not going to give you much detail about this, but I do think it went on for about long enough. Um, yeah, it's a messy match. It is. I remember when Bischoff said that he hated these sorts of matches, and he said before that he just hates tag team matches anyway, but then to throw three in at once with the rule of only two people fighting at once is just like, oh. Yeah, this God. is a problem, and it's it's something that we have seen in WWE for years, and it's never, ever, ever worked. You know, mm-hmm. and maybe this is like the the start of this kind of thing. Maybe the WCW have done it before. Maybe WWE have done it before. I highly doubt that. But triple threat tag team matches but only two people can be in the ring at once. They even allude, the commentator even alludes to this. The possibility of tag team partners both being tagged in accidentally and one pin the other to win the match. WWE have actually done that once with, uh, I think it was the New Age Outlaws. <laughs> yeah. It's, it, it's, it's just, a clever way to win. It's a clever way to win in the context, but the match itself does not make any sense. Yeah, well, this is this is the storyline that's been kicking off for a couple of weeks, and obviously it's not being given ev- any longevity. There's, there's details as to why uh, later on. Um, it's basically the Nasties have been jumped by one or both of these teams in the past couple of weeks, and basically they've, they've excuse me, they're demanding sort of like a um, they want to figure out sort of like who's who's jumped them or whatever. Um, both of them get some uh, some decent spots in early on. Uh, Scott nails a drop kick, then Animal Lariats, um, one of the nasty boys over. After Scott starts popping off suplexes, they even start working a proper three-way match. Uh, given that Scott is the only real wrestler in this entire thing, we end up with a ton of clubbering and bashing and brawling and fucking stupidity, really. Uh, the fight spills out to the floor when uh, the Road Warriors get massive, massive reactions from the crowd. They're still well over, even though they're supposed to be the heels. Uh, the match doesn't have much in the way of cohesion and it's more about having fun when it actually breaks down which is often but not frequently enough to make it a brawl um rick and knobs actually go up top i'm skipping loads of this rick uh, and knobs uh, rick, rick and knobs yeah it's the only way to describe them though it, it kind of sounds like a punk band rick and the knobs <laughs> um so Rick and Nobs go up top and they take a, a really fucking horrible looking spill to the floor. Um, you know, Nobs could have actually fucking almost died in this. Rick Steiner was alright, but the Road Warriors essentially just come over while they're on the fucking middle to top rope and just clothesline them right off. And Nobs just completely has nothing to hold on to whatsoever. It just goes back first over the top. Um, and I honestly thought it was going to land on his neck. But it, to be fair, it would have done us all a favour. <laughs> yeah, I was, I was just thinking the exact same thing. <laughs> <laughs> But Rick, St- Rick Steiner was fine. Um, he was going for a belly to back, and that's when the Road Warriors shoved them both off. Madness continues with, and then Public Enemy run out, uh, and Johnny Grunge is disguised as as Brian Nobbs, oh. and he he runs in, he fucking wallops Bri- the real Brian Nobbs, runs in the ring, covers his face, face down, and actually takes the pinfall. I can't I can't even remember who pinned him. Was it Scott Steiner? It was yes. I think it, I think it was Scott Steiner pins the fake Brian Nobbs, which is actually Johnny Grunge, and I thought, fuck me, that's really clever. I How fucking well done. I fucking love this finish. The match for what it was, it is, it is what it was, it was what it was. Um, the match w- was what it was, but the finish, I fucking loved it. I was howling at it. He looked so much like Brian Nobbs. Yeah. You know, it, blink and you'll miss it, you would actually think that was Brian Nobbs in the ring. Very well done. Mm. 
Superbly, superbly done. Uh, and now, obviously, there's three tag teams in the ring and it throws Public Enemy into the mix nicely as well. So now you've got this dynamic where you can have, you can sort of have two teams feuding against each other or everybody's feuding against the Nasty Boys as it looks like it might be at this moment in time. But it allows for there to be crossovers so you can have two tag team matches on a show rather than one three-way tag team match and which convolutes the idea. Um yeah. Lots of ways you can go about this, but yeah, that finish uh, really impressed me. I don't think I've ever seen it. Uh, kudos to him, because I, I don't rate Public Enemy, and I certainly don't rate the Nasty Boys, but no. whoever came up with that idea, spot on. Really, really clever. Yeah, genius. Um, you actually brought down like what this match could actually do for the tag teams, but the purpose of the tag teams, the, the, sorry, the, the, the actual reason for the rivalries here, uh, Heenan actually has one of the best explanations ever. Uh, the Nasty Boys think the Stein has threw them down the stairs. The Legion are doing what to be number one contenders for the tight titles. And I don't know about the Steiners. I don't even think they can speak English. <laughs> God. <laughs> we oh, have got a lot of Heenanisms in this episode, folks. Yeah, we do. Um, I'm hoping you've caught quite a, bit, uh, quite a few of them uh, as well because I don't think I think I spent more time looking at the crowd. <laughs> more, uh, more on that later. Yeah. I also want to bring up that. During this match, they cut to commercial and they have a natural logo just standing there and a lot of fireworks in front of it for some reason. Oh, I didn't see that. Yeah, I thought that was very odd. Like, cut to commercial, boom, fireworks. Like, I've never seen that before, but it looks so fucking weird. Odd. Maybe they were trying something. Yeah, that, that's basically what they're doing. They're experimenting with things, but yeah. you can tell things that just are. They're not going to do that again. No, probably not. I, I should hope not. Well, next up, we're going to get um, Hogan and the Booty Man, who's accompanied to the ring by Kimberly, who is accompanied to the ring by her nipples, versus Arn Anderson and Kevin Sullivan, who are accompanied to the wing, ring by Woman and Elizabeth. And it's during this that Bobby Heenan announces that he's retiring from wrestling entirely, which Mongo just shits all over and says, what, until next week? <laughs> I did love that, that exchange. <laughs> <laughs> it was. It was. It was quite good. Um, it was just so very random. Like Bobby Heenan, very solemnly saying, "I'm retiring this week." Uh, oh, sorry. I'm retiring from professional wrestling. This will be my last night draw. See ya. That kind of thing. <laughs> it were. It was so out of place. But there's a very good payoff to this later on. Yeah. It didn't kind of feel like the um, the kind of way that Bobby Heenan would go sort of kicking and screaming you'd think wouldn't you and Bobby Heenan as mouthy as he is he kind of says I'm going to be uh, leaving the wrestling business yeah kicking on, kicking and screaming that's exactly how he left the w, uh, WWE yeah that's how he left he, he got pulled uh, he got pulled out of, uh, of Raw just kicking and screaming like you're out of here pal wow yeah I, don't, I, I didn't know if that was an intentional reference from you or not no it wasn't no but, I, I didn't know I didn't know that did you actually hear the minor fuck up uh, during the Saturday night plug? Oh, I, which one? There's been many fuck ups. <laughs> right. The, oh, Eric Bischoff is plugging Saturday night, and towards the end, as they come into this match, you hear a guitar wail, and he's a man, and stop. You have to listen very closely to hear it. I had my headphones on, and I'm like, fucking hell, did they just randomly play Hulk Hogan's theme for no fucking reason? <laughs> And then I rewound it and rewound it and rewound it, and they absolutely do. Hulk Hogan's not the first person out in this match. 
No, you're right, actually. You're, you're absolutely right. Um, I didn't have my headphones in, so... <laughs> you, you you catch a lot more if you've got headphones on, don't you? Like, obviously, I had the surround sound going and stuff, but obviously things get left by the wayside. Yeah. But it's live. It's live. Mistakes happen, don't they? Well, I, um, pal. But we all... <laughs> yeah. We all know that Hogan's got to come out fucking last. It doesn't matter what kind of fucking match he's in. Yeah. More on that. Halloween Havoc 1999. Yeah. Um... <laughs> We'll, we'll cross that bridge when we come to it. Oh, okay. <laughs> Bastard. So, um, again, I'm glossing over a lot of this because this match, there's only one person we're interested in, unless you're counting the ladies as well. Yeah. Um, it's Arn Anderson. The rest of them, just fuck off and die. Yeah. I, um, honestly, I'm so fucking sick and tired of these tag matches. It's on, hmm. it, it, it's on every episode now where we've got tag matches of... Some variation between Hulk Hogan, Savage, Booty Man, um, Arn Anderson, Kevin Sullivan, and Rick Fort. And it's yeah. just not good any time. And they've tried so many different stipulations. And granted, the, the stipulations have all been shit, but they've been trying different stuff to their credit. But it's not entertaining. It just doesn't work. Three uh, of the wrestlers we don't give a fuck about. Um, yeah, unfortunately, they go back to the well next episode. I knew I said next week and then realised that they skip a week. But They do skip yeah. a week, yeah. Um, to be fair to Hogan, what you just said then about there being multiple different stipulations and everything like that, Hogan actually manages to spin them all off in a promo later on. So <laughs> I was actually quite impressed. Like, he's a bit of this, a bit of this, a bit of this, a bit of this. I'm like, damn, dude, yeah, you, you, you've been doing a lot. <laughs> um, again, we'll get to that in, in just a, li- a little short while. But yeah, glossing over a lot of this fucking match because three of the wrestlers we don't give a shit about. There's actually... a. Um, uh, there's actually a spot in this match where Hogan and Booty sort of grab each other's, put each other in each other's arms, like they're two drunken fucking lads coming out of the pub. <laughs> right? And they both give uh, a big boot to Arn Anderson, and I, all I could just think was like, oh, friends, from in between us, and that was basically it. Um, I love that Arn Anderson points as if he wants Hogan after a little bit of wrestling with Booty, because it's almost as if Arn's like, you are nothing to me, and you are beneath me, so get Hulk Hogan in the ring, because I want to face Hulk Hogan. Oh, yeah. Obviously, that, that plays into the fact that Arn's got two wins in singles competition over Hulk Hogan, which is always good. Yeah, but Hulk Hogan uh, ain't going to give you anything, Arn. No, no, it's not. It's not. Every single match, it's the same fucking thing. Arn Anderson might get the odd punch or something in, but you're not really going to get anything from Hulk Hogan. Yeah, and I think the reason why Hogan likes him so much is because Iron sells like a fucking boss for him. Yeah. Um, there's one person that did impress me in this match uh, on odd showings was uh, Kevin Sullivan. So a couple of times he, he showed himself to have good uh, ring positioning and timing. That sounds really marky, but I, I don't mean it to. Um, every time I've watched Kevin Sullivan, he just kind of looks like he's so out of place in these sorts of matches. But there was two spots in particular that, that, that I saw um, where he comes in and he's about to give a right hand to Booty, which he's obviously telegraphed, and Booty ducks it, goes behind, and gives him a big atomic drop. It just, it just, it, it was very fluid. Uh, and the other one was when Hogan was on top of Arn. I think he'd just done a pinfall, and Sullivan comes in and drops an elbow, but Hogan moves, and he ends up elbowing Arn. Again, it's timing. You know, he knew where he needed to be at the right place at the right time. It was probably very lucky, because most of the time, he just looks like a fish out of water. Um, but he did impress me with them. and There were many spots in this more or less crisp by the four of them, timing-wise and all the rest of it. It was fairly well-structured. It, it it did 
the fluidity was quite nice. The ladies at ringside, however, showed once again that they are still learning, apart from woman, who clearly gets the fucking business, gets all the, the ring psychology and exactly what needs to happen. Um, there's a, a spot in this where Kimberly spent time looking down the camera whilst uh, woman was actually interfering in the match. The finish comes as Kimberly takes her shoe off, having noticed that woman is doing the same on the other side of the ring. Uh, woman has handed hers to Sullivan, who's sneakily, sneakily creeping back to jam it into Hogan's head. However, Kimberly gives hers first to Booty Man, and Booty gives it to Hogan. And Hogan is happy to use the weapon to get the win on Kevin Sullivan. Yeah, he gets the pinfall during the replays. Arn and Sullivan double team Booty, while Hogan and Kim are going back up the ramp. Uh, Hogan comes back and makes the save again while the replays are on. And with Gene in the ring, Hogan says they were on their knees. Sorry. Uh, with Gene in the ring, Hogan says that Arn and Kevin Sullivan were on their knees begging them not to hurt them. I, I didn't see this. No, neither did uh, I. Hogan's just making shit up now. Booty says that he's got a match lined up and it's all secret, secret. But he wants Hogan to tag up against him next uh, again with him next week. Hogan talks a lot of shit, but accepts that he will tag with him after rhyming off, as you said, the multitude of stipulated matches that they've been in over the past fucking eight weeks or so. Because it feels like mm. it's been longer. Very sexually charged promo by these two as well. Like so fucking out of place. Like <laughs> why? Why do we need that? Why do we need to know? Why why do I have to come from, you know, that match, it was what it was, but why do we have to come away from a match and all we can think about is Hulk Hogan having the hots of Kimberly? Yeah, that, that's pretty much it, isn't it? Yeah. But we kind of glossed over the finish of that match. I actually thought it was very clever as well. Yeah. Very, very well timed, but all I could think of was Hulk Hogan. And fucking hell, you, you, say, you, you talk about the, the intelligence of Hulk Hogan running down all the matches, it, you know, that they've been in. In that promo, but you think you'd be a bit more of a wordsmith because all I could think of during that finish was an eye for an eye, a shoe for a shoe, brother, and he didn't follow up on that. Hulk Hogan, you fucking dumb fuck. I'm coming mm. up with better promos for you now. You used to be so good at the promos. I'm coming up with better ones now. Now all you want to talk about is you wanting to fucking rib Kimberly or some shit. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I don't know what to say about this, to be honest. You are, you bang on the money. You've got to... Ha, it, it's it's kind of like seeing a... a, a, a it's kind of like seeing, you know, you chavvy-wearing you, you, you fucking geezer that's out, out on a night out in a nightclub and stuff like that, and he's out there trying to impress a girl with his mate who's also trying to impress a girl. And I'm kind of seeing them two sort of going head to head now because they both want to have a have a go at um have a go at Kimberly. But yeah, they've both got a boner on for Kimberly and that is basically all that this promo tells us. Um whilst Booty obviously lets us know that there's he's got an idea for next week. Next week on Natural, the Mega Hardons explode <laughs> <laughs> Oh God, no. Oh man. So moving swiftly on, um we we do see Lex Luger now, who's gonna get his world heavyweight championship um, match against Ric Flair who's accompanied to the ring by a woman and Elizabeth again Lex is still the TV and the tag team champion but I've got to say whilst he's going for his um, 
a firework pose. He throws both the titles on the floor, which he does. He's done before, and I, I haven't picked up on it before. But I hate when people throw the title on the floor. The disrespect. It, just, it demeans it so much. Um, it's a good heel tactic. I mean, if you want to be a heel about it, just like defacing the belt or whatever, which might come down the line. Uh, but yeah, even even when you're a heel, I think there's there's a certain there's a certain mystique to the belt. There's a certain aura to the belt, and you should just never throw it on the floor. No. Personal opinion. Um, well, that really goes against what I actually wrote down uh, because, and I, and I still think this a little bit, to be honest with you, that a part of me really wanted Lex Luger to win this mm. because I just think somebody of his ilk, a heel with three titles, you know, it kind of looks like the boss, uh, you know, the mega boss. And if there's one thing that the main event scene really, really needs right now, it's new faces in it. And Luger being the champion and would actually do it a world of good. Everybody would want to get that title off him. Everyone would want to get all the titles off him. So it would have been, it would have made for a very good dynamic. I mean, t- to be honest with you, I kind of want to see Lex Luger against the fucking world. <laughs> that That's it, you know. Uh, on, on the other hand... Flair's reign hasn't been that interesting. I mean, he's, no. he's been good on his promos, don't get me wrong, but just by association of being with Kevin Sullivan, going up against Hulkamania, all the tag matches, and the the same things happening over and over again, the same finishes happening over and over again, it's kind of really diluted his title reign. Yeah. Well, when you look at the way that the title's actually gone since Nitro started, uh, Hogan was the World Heavyweight Champion when we started, and then it moved on to... Um, did it move on to... Oh, so there was a convoluted thing about whether or not Hogan or Macho was the champion. And then the Giant was running around saying, I'm the champion. And then the title was held up. And then the Macho won it. And then he lost it to Ric Flair. And then... So Ric Flair seems like the go-between between Hogan and Macho um, losing against each other to get the title. So Hogan and Macho haven't jobbed for each other. Yeah. But Fleur is the go-between. Fleur is the man, apart from the one time that the title was held up, and then you saw Hogan was the champion. Macho, well, claimed claimed to be the champion, and, and Hogan was saying, no, roll the footage and blah, blah, blah. So then we had to hold the title up to make sure that Macho was the champion. So Hogan and Macho just don't... It, I, I think that's what it is. I think there's, there's egos at play here that's preventing both of them from just fucking sitting down or lying down on this case to make sure that the title can switch hands. Oh, um, oh really? There's egos at play. <laughs> I'm totally not fucking surprised. The, so- the sarcasm is strong in this one. Um, I agree. Um, I, I, it, would, it would be nice. It would be fre- refreshing to have a change because we're, we're in April now and it started in September. We're eight months into Nitro's tenure and we've had the same three people as the World Heavyweight Champion excluding the giant who technically wasn't the world of champion but we're getting sidetracked here um oh and the title also the title still says match your man on it i was literally 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 going to say something and then say that yeah so fair play well that the, the um, explanation that rip Flair came out with a few weeks ago that he's left it on basically just to rub it in savage's face that was very good and totally off the cuff from rip Flair. That wasn't that wasn't in the script. Come on, guys. They've had continuity issues with that nameplate for well, ever since the first title change. Yeah, 
My name's still on the my name's still on the title, brother. Yeah, yeah, because we just can't afford. Maybe maybe this um maybe this inspired Paige to do that um Bukaki with the uh NXT women's championship. You know, like because maybe Ric Flair's going home with this world title with Macho Man's name on it, except Lizzie's holding it over her bare breasts and Flair's just <laughs> All over Liz and the title. What the fuck are you talking about? You just got... It's got Macho's name on it. Yeah. It'd be the ultimate disgrace, wouldn't it? You, you literally just... While she's wearing it completely naked and you're fucking spunking everywhere all over Macho's name. Or, it's the ultimate fucking betrayal. Oh, I see. Because you brought... You brought Paige into this. And I'm like, Paige? What's he got to do with any of this? And then I remember the photo shoot. I just remember the photo shoot with Paige and... Yeah. <laughs> you, you completely lost me for a second there, Mike. I got a photo shoot. No, 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 no. No, I'm pretty sure no, I've seen. No, 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 no. I'm pretty sure I've seen a photo shoot. Like, have you not seen the porno? No, I have not. Oh, Brian, das Acton kid Bradshaw. Surely you've seen. This is what got Paige into hot water because she she had some guy ejaculate all over her face and the NXT Women's Title. I I know of it. And I thought when you said Paige, I thought you meant Dallas Page, by the way. That's where my no, copy is. No, right, no, no. Page. Page, Page, the women. Yeah, the woman. yeah, I know of it. I've never seen it. All right. Yeah, no, dude, no, no. But I think Ric Flair did it in 96 while it were Macho's belt. Anyway. Digressing. We probably need to cut a lot of that out, dude. Why? What, Paige going to sue us? Fucking bring it. No, I wasn't on about Paige suing us. It was just like my fucking confusion about a photo shoot because I've I pretty swear, I, I, I'm pretty sure I've seen a photo of Kimberly holding the title over a chest or something, but I might be completely wrong. It might be something else. It might be somebody else. It might be fucking Sean and Sonny for all I know. Yeah, it's Sean when he was in Playgirl. Oh, there was that as well, yeah. Yeah, uh, Kimberly, she just bare all. She didn't need a title belt. But anyway, see, this is what WCW has done to me. I hear Paige and I think of Diamond Owl's Paige. <laughs> Man, that must have been confusing for you there then. <laughs> yes, very, very confusing. <laughs> Diamond Dallas Page took a bukkake to the face. <laughs> <laughs> See, that's where I got lost. Right there, when you're on about bukkake, I'm like, what is he talking about here? <laughs> Diamond, Diamond Dallas Page got spunked on in the face? Fuck you, no. <laughs> Sorry, Dallas, well, you've lost all your money. Here's a money shot. Yeah. Anyway, uh, well, I'll just I'll just add a little bit more of a comment here that's just kind of about a side note. I don't understand why Paige managed to keep her job after fucking doing that. To be perfectly honest, I think it's the ultimate fucking it's it's that's fucking gross misconduct as far as I'm concerned. But somehow she got a fucking promotion. Anyway, let's not get into it. Uh, um, yeah, let's not talk about Paige because I can't stand the woman. It was probably Vince McMahon's fucking spooge. Oh, I don't want to think about that. Now you are. Fucking up. So, well, at least you're not thinking about Diamond Dallas no, pages. No, seriously, though. The, 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 you, you don't understand how horrifying that is for a guy that's watched WWE for pretty much half his life and knowing how Vince McMahon thinks, you know, this is a guy that thinks that he'll never die and you know he thinks he's got super sperm. Oh, yeah. Yeah, just the fact that if, if he's spunked on somebody's face, then babies will automatically grow up in the fucking nostrils or skin pores or some shit. You know, it's... Oh, God, it's like it's like the worst snuff movie ever. I don't... 
Thanks for putting that image into my into my head. Thanks, Mark. Thanks. No problem. So back to the match. Um, Flair is getting flipped off by some guy in the crowd, uh, and he just flexes his arm at him. But as he's walking down, he then notices that Deborah McMichael's in the crowd, and Brain says, "Was that the blonde, or was it the one with the chili on her shirt?" McMichael then says, "Heenan, you're right. It might very well be your last night." <laughs> <laughs> um, I fucking miss that as I said Flair's title still has the macho man play it on it for fuck's sake watching the ladies at ringside they're very giddy and a woman is politely dragging Liz around while both play with their hurt every time that Flair looks at them in a very flirtatious manner the camera comes up to them and woman shouts the, the champ is our man woo um, through this match Luger's powering Flair in the opening stages so I don't know why I said through this match Luger's powering Flair in the opening stages Fleur gets the upper hand after a bit of time on the outside. There's a bit of a back and forth after Fleur sells brilliantly from a failed whip attempt into the other corner. Lex Cloves lines him out of the ring and throws an immense tantrum on the outside of the ring. That's Rick Fleur does. Uh, stomping both his feet up and down like a child that's lost his dummy. There's more cheap tricks and chops to Lex as he gets back in. Uh, Lex with an impressive walking gorilla press onto the ropes. And Lex then gets out of the ring and chases off the ladies, but gets levelled on the way back into the ring, kneed into the guardrail. Hard, actually, for Lex Luger. Uh, woman rakes the eyes as he's down on the floor, and Fleur chokes him as he attempts to come under the rope back into the ring. Woman again with a quick choke while the referee is handling Fleur on the other side of the ring. Fleur slaps on a figure four, which gets a two count initially, and then Fleur slaps Lex in the face a couple of times which just wakes Luger up and then he reverses the figure four but it's quickly broken up Lex uh, goes to the outside and Fleur tries to take advantage but Lex powers back after being shot into the guardrail Lex with a sunset flip which I actually marked out for because I didn't think Lex Luger was capable of this sort of stuff which got a two count there was a backslide straight after that got a two count Fleur whipped in to the corner and goes up and over as he usually does to the other top turnbuckle he mounts it, but Lex catches him mid-air. Fleur gets out, uh, gets out of it and back onto the ropes, but it's a huge vertical suplex off the top rope. Liz has the referee distracted, and Woman has got coffee in hand, wrestled from some weird-looking person at ringside, who was right next to Deborah McMichael, I might add. And Lex has Fleur in the torture rack, but Lex goes down from the coffee shot, and Fleur uses the ropes to get the pinfall, just as Sting comes down to chase everybody off. We go back to the commentators, and as we said, Heenan is off. It's his retirement. He shakes both hands of Eric Bischoff and, reluctantly, Steve Mongo McMichael. And then Heenan erupts with laughter as he proclaims, Ha ha, it was all an April Fool's joke. We'll see you in two weeks. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Sorry, you, you ran down that very quickly. I actually wanted to say a couple of things. There was a, he there was yeah. a, there was a Heenanism in this. Um when Rick Flair is thrown out the ring the first time, he starts talking to woman, and Heenan's, Heenan quips, there's woman giving Flair some good womanly advice, just like Hillary with Hillary with Bill, probably. Oof. The <laughs> shot fired. Yes. But then Eric also talks about, and this, this goes to show that they don't have a clue what fucking rules are in the business. They really don't. He says that Flair does not want to lose, he doesn't want to be counted out. You can't lose mm. a title by count out, you fucking idiots. Well, yeah, he doesn't. He doesn't allude to him losing the title, does he? He just might not want to lose the match. Oh, okay. Because the idea is that you get paid more money for winning matches, don't you? Especially well, yeah. when you're world champion. 
Oh yeah, but then again, they don't really fucking allude to that, so my head is really going to think of, yeah, he doesn't want to be counted out because he'll lose his title. And this is where it's just like, the little things just get glossed over it all the time. And, yeah. Okay, so, yeah, pet peeve, but... Yeah, I think it's it's kind of up to the viewer, isn't it? It's kind of up to the viewer to kind of know the rules. See, I've always had this idea that, like, okay, if you play Make Believe, you're the world champion. There's nothing stopping you. Like, so what we used to do on the Xbox, so when the original Xbox came out, you had the uh, Raw and Raw 2. And basically, oh, what we hell. used to do is we used to just run around the ring because the AI on the computer was so bad um, that they'd chase you. And then what you'd do is you just slide into the ring at a nine count, and then they'd get counted out for a ten count, and you'd win the match. Um, <laughs> so that's basically all we used to fucking do because we never wanted to fight anybody. Um, no, no, we didn't want to fight because the the actual mechanics of both games were terrible. Yeah, but the, the reason why we loved it so much is because the, the backstage um, segments. So this is, this is this is kind of before like um, THQ started elaborating. No, oh, no, THQ didn't make this game. Yeah, they did. Yeah, so THQ started elaborating on the SmackDown versus Raw elements where you could give you like multiple options and stuff like that. But we we always used to just go into the backstage area because we wanted to see because <laughs> you could you could steal other people's stuff, um, and the computer would always decide a random a random thing. So you go into the dressing room and you would root through somebody's uh, luggage or whatever uh, their their bag. So if you go into the dressing room and you're rooting through Trish Stratus's fucking bag, sometimes you come out with underwear, and usually we'd like high five each other because we have got Trish Stratus's underwear in a make believe world. Um, yeah, puberty, man. It was a fun time. Um, anyway, going back to what I was saying there, <coughs> if you were sort of elaborating in a make believe world that you, you you've got your guy who's a world heavyweight champion, there's absolutely nothing stopping him from just getting a count out and just walking backstage. Job done. Yeah, but in because my. I- because that's what it's always ever been alluded to is that you know they can lose the title back they can't lose the title by count out you know and they've always alluded to the wrestler actually leaving the matches even the wrestlers just like going away and then being pulled back in that type of thing yeah, Flair's doing it at the moment, isn't he? He's kind of yeah, like wandering he's doing it. fucking, nah, I don't need this in my life, blah, 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 and all yeah, the rest of it. Yeah, he's doing it all the time. So when you actually say, you know, oh, he doesn't want to lose by count out, even though he's actually going up the ring, you know, going up the ramp, like, walking away, it's like, you're getting two different stories from the wrestler and the commentator, and that's probably why it's so fucking confusing for me, a viewer, you know, seeing Rick Flair walk up the bloody ramp, and then Eric Bischoff saying, oh, no, no, he doesn't want to lose the title by count out. Like, yeah. uh, sorry, lose the match by count out. So in my head, I've, I've always thought that if you're the world champion, you'll get a massive fine for doing something like that. You have to wrestle in the ring. That, I, I, that's my own rule. I, that's that's something I've just put in my own head to so kind of what, make sense of it. So why have the cha- uh, champion's advantage in, in play then? If 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 you're just going to fine them for doing that, don't have champion's advantage. If you are counted out, you lose the title. You know that, well, that think- that's how it's. it's See, this is the thing with the you know with wrestling rules. They are very fucking complex and very contradictory of themselves, and it's not been any more contradictory than fucking some of the shit that WCW have pulled so far. Like, that's just it, wrestling. Wrestling is contradictory. <laughs> yeah. Yes, it is. It is. But Jesus Christ, just you know, just mm, just try and. Just try and make, uh, give us a little bit of sense in, in something, please. That's all we ask, you know. Yeah. I mean, down the line, that's what TNA did, didn't they? they? They said that you could lose it on a DQ and you could lose it on a count-out. Yeah, and I remember people going fucking hipsters about that on Twitter. Like, oh no, there's never been the rules. And I'm like, well, you know what? I actually kind of like that, to be honest yeah. with you. 
gives them something to fight for, doesn't it? It gives yeah, them a reason to come down to the ring and fight because otherwise you're getting counted out and you're losing your title. Exactly. And, uh, by, and, and just by association with that, it makes the title scene feel a little bit more competitive. Yeah. Yeah. And to be fair, in, in, that, title, in that TNA title scene, it was a pretty fucking... It was a pretty decent... Uh, Pretty decent roster, actually. Quite interesting when that rule was enforced. And then, obviously, yeah. Hogan and Bischoff came in and they did away with the rule. Did away with everything. Yeah, you needed, you needed, you needed to be able to cheat. <laughs> um, so the rating for this one uh, was a two point eight versus Raw's two point nine, a win for Raw this week. And what would you say yours was for this one, Brian? It wasn't a bad show, to be honest with you. Take all mm. the convoluted shit that I've complained about. You know, <laughs> I don't even think there was a real bad match on the show. Just like even the Sting and Giant match was okay for what it was, but you know it was it was a fast paced show, very entertaining. I give it a two point five. I stand by that. Really, not bad, not great. A fairly decent, fairly decent score that for uh, for Nitro, considering uh, what other ones have, what other episodes have been given. Um, in terms of the raw results, we get a dark match, which is the Ultimate Warrior defeating Goldust, who is the WWF Intercontinental Championship. That happened by count out. So, as we've just discussed in the rules, no title change. Uh, Ahmed Johnson and Jake Roberts defeated Owen Hart and the British Bulldog, and The Undertaker defeated Vader. Uh, onto the TV matches, Mankind defeated Bob Holly. Wild Man Mark Murrow defeated Isaac Yankum DDS. Skip and Zip with Zunny. Zunny. <laughs> Zunny. Sonny <laughs> defeated Aldo Montoya and Barry Horowitz. I feel like that's the version of um, Johnny B. Bad versus DDP because I'm sure we've seen that like 15 times now. Mm-hmm. And The Undertaker defeated, if you have a brother, I hope he's called Justin. Um, Justin Bradshaw via disqualification. I have two brothers in our room called Justin. Damn it. That's a shame. Not going to lie. Uh, I, there's... And also, I do not want to be associated with... Uh, just uh, Justin John Carter Layfield. I'm fucking revoking my surname from you, you asshole. <laughs> uh, there's a there's a quick note on Brian Pillman here. Um, he has resolved his issues with ECW now. Uh, he's now scheduled to appear on future ECW pro- programming with the idea that he will face off somewhere down the line with Shane Douglas. Obviously, we detailed that weeks ago. Uh, his contract with WCW still remains. And that's led the dirt sheets to believe that Paul Heyman has reached an agreement with WCW for this to happen, which is something that to this day Paul Heyman absolutely denies. Uh, yeah, very interesting stuff. Mm. So into Nitro number thirty-one as we're powering through this. This obviously goes down on April fifteenth in nineteen ninety-six because uh, they took the week off the week before. It did. Tell me where it was from. Charleston, North North Virginia, was it? I think uh, it was. Isn't, Charles, isn't Charleston, North Carolina? Whatever they put, they put N dot VA. You know what? I actually didn't even see where they were from. Yeah. I actually put parts unknown for <laughs> location tonight. We uh, we start off straight away with on and Oren Anderson and Kevin Sullivan versus Hulk Hogan. Uh, Booty was apparently hurt on Saturday night, so Hogan will fight alone. Oh, look at that. We get an elaboration from something that happened last week. Yeah. So we'll be seeing Booty very soon then, which Um, actually doesn't happen. Hogan gets a figure four on Sullivan, but Oren is right in there to break it up. Hogan then gets one on Oren. Are you you glossing over the stipulation of this match on purpose? I think the stipulation happened a little bit after. No, they actually mentioned it at the start. Oh, well, the, the, I think they mentioned it again. Yeah, this is what I called human trafficking match. 
if Hogan wins, he gets five minutes alone with either a woman or Miss Elizabeth. If the heels win, they get five minutes with Booty Babe. Right. Yeah. That's not what I've written down. That's not what they said five minutes later. <laughs> fuck me. Yeah, that's... WCW, that, man, what the fuck are you doing? Yeah, that's exactly what they said at the beginning of the match. Right. Um, Hogan Hogan gets a figure for it on Arn and Sullivan breaks it. Uh, it's announced that the stipulation... <laughs> it's announced that the stipulation is that if Hogan wins, he gets either one of the leaders of the heel... I'm saying heel factions. Either one of the leaders of the heel factions, which is obviously going to be either Kevin Sullivan or Ric Flair for five minutes. Um, I don't know. Everything got convoluted as I'm trying to make sense of it all. Um, Kimberly comes out and starts cheering for Hogan, which uh, pumps him up. And no, I don't mean pumping him up in his trunks. Well, I hope not. Um, To the outside, Hogan is taking care of both with the chair. He throws Arn back in, but he comes back to the outside and it's Arn and Sullivan on top. Even Hart gets some, Jimmy Hart, gets some kicks in, but the referee doesn't disqualify him because consistency in WCW doesn't exist. Oh, (laughs) yeah. um, That's something I had a problem with this match with. Like, um, the weakest chair shots, again, from Hulk Hogan, and he doesn't get DQ'd. Now, I, I, I had this debate with a friend of mine on Facebook the other night, and he said, well, it's a handicap match. How can one be DQ'd and the other be DQ'd? He was, he was in his mind, it was the same as a triple threat match, where like if one person gets DQ'd, who do you decide wins out that match? And I said, this is my reasoning, because you've got two people versus one. If you DQ one, the other wins. So yeah. if Hogan was DQ'd, and rightly so here, Arn Anderson and Kevin Sullivan would share that win. I honest seriously, what is the rule? Guys, what is the rule? What what rule are you going for? Is this an ODQ match? I mean No one said no one says, you know. No, I mean no. I, I mean then again, if you if you if you're sorting to human trafficking then you know, every rule can be broken, I suppose. You know, you're not you're not exactly abiding by any, uh, by the laws of the United States, so why why even go by the laws of wrestling? Mm. Yeah, it's all a bit fucking it's all a bit silly. To be fair, um, there's no ex- no explanation for it. The way that we've been told this match is going to go is basically it is a standard handicap match. You can't just throw a chair around, and you can't just have Jimmy Hart kicking people for no fucking reason. And that's if anybody wants to see scene. that anyway. Yeah, true. <laughs> so yeah, uh, Hogan wins. Blah, fucking blah. I am uh, dead inside. <laughs> Honestly, like. Arn and Kevin Sullivan get very, very, very little in. In fact, I've got nothing of note that they got in in that match. It Before was... Kimberly comes down, they got uh, they got a bit of unf- offence in. Double team. Yeah, yeah, exactly. A little bit. Yeah. A little, little bit. Yeah. It's, it's just a typical Hulk Hogan match to make him look superior to everybody else. Blah, blah, blah. You know, fuck it. Yeah. I the mean, finish comes with... just a question, right? We've just seen the same match from Hulk Hogan week in, week out. And I, I, know, I know last week no one wrestled, but I'm, I'm just saying, natural in, natural out, you're seeing the same old shit by Hulk Hogan. Yeah, you know, we, this, have, we have been since like fucking 1990. <laughs> well, yeah, exactly. So I, have, I am, I am laying this out to the listeners, to anybody, you know, anybody listening, anybody on Twitter, Facebook, Reddit, yada yada yada. Please get in touch with me, please. 
if you are enjoying this week in, week out from Hulk Hogan, because I know there's super Hulk Hogan fans out there still to this day. Hulk Hogan's the best. Hulk, fucking hell, one of my best mates thinks Hulk Hogan is still the best, despite all the racist shit that he's fucking done, all the horrible shit that he's done, the fact that he's always been a very fucking selfish wrestler. You know, they live and die by Hulk Hogan. If you are enjoying this week in, week out, please prove to me that you do not have a photo of Hulk Hogan right next to your bedside and you don't kiss him goodnight every time you go to sleep. Because quite <laughs> frankly, if you are enjoying this, that's how weird I think you are. Honestly, there's, there's nothing yeah. good about this. It's not even entertaining. And yet the crowd is still popping for it like it's the best thing that ever bested. It fucking infuriates me. It's oh, it's so boring. So boring, and it doesn't make anybody look good. I know Hulk Hogan in his own fucking warped fucking mind thinks that it makes him look good, but it doesn't because we're, we're you know, we all know how the business works. Sorry, you know, it, you know, it's not technically real. I won't use the word fake because it upsets people, but it's not real. And we know Hulk Hogan is saying, no, 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 no. That don't work for me, brother. He's just doing this to make him look good, but it doesn't. It just makes him look a prick. Mm. I can't argue with that. can't uh. argue with it at all. Uh, the finish comes with Sullivan going up top, but Hogan reverses a gut wrench from Arn Anderson, sending Arn via a sling- slingshot into Sullivan on the uh, top rope. Sullivan gets a power slam and a leg drop, and now Hogan is threatening the women after the win. Hart comes in with the powder, but to no effect, and gets battered by Hogan. Hogan rips uh, the shirt off his back, and Heenan cries, He's going bareback! Yeah, I got uh, that. <laughs> Giant is in, delivers a choke slam that Hogan no-sells. Hogan with a big boot. Uh, yeah, see, this is what pisses me off as well. Fucking no-selling from a fucking choke slam. Mm-hmm. And then, we'll and then what does he do? Oh, it's WrestleMania 3 again. I'll fucking... Oh, I'll just power slam the Giant. Yeah. Again, it... Does it does does Hulk Hogan's dick get hard every time he fucking picks up somebody big? Seriously, it, it doesn't even look fucking good. <laughs> it didn't look good the fucking first time. No, try it to re-encapsulate re-encapt- oh. that that um, the pop I, from I, WrestleMania three. I, I, I'm sorry, I think I might have mentioned this on 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 the podcast before, but I'm sorry. That moment, WrestleMania three, is the most overrated moment in wrestling fucking history. I'm sorry. He was always sold as a guy that was immortal, that can do it all. He can pick up everybody, and he's facing a guy that has basically no legs left. He's falling apart. Of course, he's going to be able to pick him up. I don't understand the hype of it. It wasn't good the first time. It's never been good ever since. It's been one of the. It's just. You're just going back to the well just to make yourself look good, and it just doesn't look good. It never has. I'm sorry, it doesn't. The only time that's ever looked good is when John Cena did it with fucking Big Sean Edge, because quite frankly, you know, you look at those two people and you think, fucking hell, he can't pick them up, and he fucking did. And when Cesaro did it to Big Sean, that looks good. Hulk Hogan, this guy with 25-inch pythons, brother, can pick up a fucking big guy. I believe that. It's not spectacular. I'm sorry, it's not. And that's fucking two rounds I've gotten on Hulk Hogan now. Well, the more. It, oh my god, I'm gonna get. I'm gonna get a lot of heat for this. Jesus Christ! He keeps doing it as well, though. Like you said, he keeps going back to the well. Like, exactly. How many times has he done this to the giant? Now it must be four or five. I've actually put 283, but <laughs> he has genuinely done this like four or five times, and it's lost any mystique that it initially had, if it had any in the first place. Yes, exactly. Um, the one, the one thing that does happen after this that uh, I've got to say I really enjoyed is Gene Oakland comes in as Hogan is about to lay the smack down to the giant a little bit more. <laughs> that was Hogan hilarious. Hogan picks him up, 
to slam Gene, then realises and put, <laughs> puts him down again while Gene's absolutely <laughs> shitting himself. And that was the, fucking hilarious. Yep, and the mic is completely broken, so there's no point even trying to decipher oh, that. Yeah, thank God. Sort of thank like God. a garlic. Yeah, but it, it was just a it was the 30 second promo by Hulk Hogan and then two minutes of fucking pause down yeah and I mean I'd, I'd, I literally reckon it was about two minutes of pausing because you know Hogan got a pause brother fucking can we just honestly Mark you know I have been enjoying doing this friendship with you but can we just like you know fast forward a month please get this out of the way so <laughs> at least that way when Scott Hall is here and then Kevin Nash turns up I can go oh now now we're getting into the good stuff, even though we're still going to get a little bit of this bullshit from Hulk Hogan, no doubt. At least I can look to the future a little bit and smell it. Uh, the, the NWO is so close. Well, while you know, I was doing can... my research for this, oh, um, I, I noticed I... that Hogan was supposed to be uh, negotiating a movie deal, so he was supposed to be like going away uh, at this point, which means that he, he actually wasn't, apparently, I think it's a, I think it might be Dave Meltzer, it might be Wade Kelly, it might be somebody else, but... Um, Apparently he was negotiating this movie deal, which would have took him away for at least a month, maybe two, and he wasn't even supposed to be at this Nitro, and something's happened that he's renegotiating it, so he, he might fuck off for the next month. We'll have God. to wait and see. Oh, touch wood, I'm fucking... I'll, I'll get on my knees and pray right now that that happens. <laughs> yeah. I just want him to go away, because he is by far the worst thing on this show. And there's been a lot of shit. There's been quite a bit of shit that we put up with, but he is by far been the worst mm-hmm. you know and i'm just so fucking done with him now i'm just so it, it's just so transparent what he's doing backstage and it upsets me as a wrestling fan that sees all his talent on this show that i would rather see than hulk hogan and hulk hogan is just constantly taking the spotlight facing the same old people and giving them nothing week in week out it's just like it's so unfair and I don't even think, I, honestly, you know, I, I've got to start listening to the Iron Show because I, I really want to know what Arn Anderson feels about working with Hulk Hogan because this is a guy that is a talented, a very, very, very talented wrestler. We've seen it, but every time he's been in the ring with Hulk Hogan, he's gotten very little in. And I think him, in his own mind, in his mind, knowing how good he is and how important he can, you know, he can be, well, how important he is to that roster, I, I, I just think that he would have been pretty pissed off that he'd have to keep doing this. Instead mm. of sharing the ring with somebody fucking better and going after the US title and actually doing something important. Yeah. Here's a little bit of nostalgia for you. Remember when they were talking about the Cruiserweight Championship? Oh, yes. Yeah, what happened to that? <laughs> have, have we seen a Cruiserweight match since? <laughs> no, we have not. It's just self-serving Hulk Hogan shite. Yeah. Uh, let, so- let, let's not gloss over the aftermath of that match because it, it was a little bit of fun. You know, I'll, yeah. I, even... even I'll, I'll give... I'll, I'll give Hulk Hogan credit for his selling her picking up Mean Gene. That was funny. Uh, Bobby Heenan was absolutely brilliant saying I wanted him to throw him up into the balcony. Absolutely <laughs> brilliant again. And even Jimmy Hart was entertaining in this. The way he was flailing around. It, you know you know the craze, the film? Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's obviously that scene where, you know, they, they, they get Jack the Hat drunk, they take him back to his house, and then suddenly they, they, they turn on him, and you've got um, Reggie Cray sat there with a gun, and you've got... Uh, Jack fucking cowering like it. Jimmy Hart reminded me of Jack the Hat. It really did. It was just so comical, comically brilliant. It really mm. was. Yeah, I, 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 fucking hell. I'm giving Jimmy Hart um, 
you know, good feedback now. What the fuck has happened to me? <laughs> That's I, it. I've given it to I've given it to Kevin Sullivan. You're giving it to Jimmy Hart. It's and I don't. As if we're and I've never. Egos. And I've never been a fan of Jimmy Jimmy Hart. I've never been a fan of the guy. I think he is an annoying little shit. I really do. <laughs> and I don't take away, you know, what he's done. It by all accounts, he's a good guy. But him as a character, going yippee, yahoo! No, that's Jerry Waller. Uh, you know, just jumping around, going ah, don't hurt me, don't hurt me. You know, it's just I I fucking can't stand the character. I never have. You know, uh, but. He was funny here. He really, really was. Mm-hmm. Um, well, let's let's carry on here because um, we, we've got Public Enemy who, who are coming to the ring now. And, oh wait, no they're not. Um, they've been wiped out by a chair and a trash can, which is full of trash. Fair play to them. Huge thumping shots thereafter and it's the Nasty Boys who've ambushed them in the entranceway. Public Enemy are in the ring and Rocco just randomly sent Hons out, <laughs> out of the ring onto Jerry Sags. Uh, Grungy's wearing a plastic bin whilst he's in the ring with uh, fucking knobs. There's lots going on. There's lots of time given to this match. Uh, it's lots of fun if you like all that sort of stuff. Uh, plenty of mindless destruction. And I, knobs. I, I actually put that <laughs> those very two words in my in my notes: mindless destruction. Yeah, yeah. Um, the, it, the if you enjoy it, you know that's great. I do enjoy it. But there's one problem with this match, and I'm, and I'm, you are going to say the exact same thing, aren't you, Mark? They go to the fucking split screen. <laughs> yeah. You can't, That's why I didn't write much. Yeah, <laughs> you, can't, you can't see anything. There's, there, were only one, there were one spot in this I really enjoyed where uh, gr- uh, Grunge has the plastic bin on his head and the Nasty Boys just start using it as a punching bag. I thought that was yeah. fun. Yeah. But yeah, there's, when, when you've got a tiny split screen, you, you can't really... It's just so hard for an audience at home to enjoy enjoy a match like this. This match is for the people in the arena. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, I've never understood why they have to do two squares in in split screen because we we all know that people back in '96 didn't have 42 inch fucking TVs. If they'd have just gone diagonally, you know, and had one in the top left and one in the bottom right, I think it would have worked so much better because you're giving a little bit more of the screen to everybody. But it yeah. just seems like an afterthought, really. Yeah. Um, Skipping a lot of it, like I said, it's a hardcore match, so it is just fucking one thing after another. Nobbs gets the win after Rocco misses a leg drop through the table, and that is the end of it. Uh, uh, a couple of good uh, heenanisms in this match, by the way. Um, I'm, tr- I'm trying to think who it was. Scott hit with a trash can lid, and Heenan says, Ding dong, Evan calling. <laughs> Again, absolutely brilliant. And towards the end of the match, when uh, Nobbs is on the table... <laughs> so it it, it it just tickles me does this line Heenan says Nobbs is missing something he's supposed to have an apple in his mouth isn't he <laughs> God and I know I know fat jokes and all that but I found that particularly funny <laughs> oh man just because um, it's, I, I'm going to say just because it's Brian Nobbs he's a, he's a dick so yeah yeah it's fine no, mm. no grumbling Next up, we're going to see Earl Robert Eaton, who's come to the ring with Jeeves, which has been spelt wrong by the people who do the title things at the bottom, uh, versus the Macho Man Randy Savage. And I'm going to I'm going to detract away from something here because this is a lot of fun as well. Um, so I did a little research onto into Jeeves. I wanted to know who Jeeves was, uh, and it turns out his name is um, sorry, just give me a second. His <coughs> name is Gary Hedrick, and Gary has led an impressive life. So here's some of his accomplishments throughout his life. Gary started off tumbling at the Maverick Club in 1967, 
He was in the B2 class in 1969 and started coaching the Maverick Club in 1976. He stayed with the Maverick Club until 1981. From 1981 to 1983, coached gymnastics at the Amarillo School of Gymnastics with Jerry Strickland. Jerry lives in Austin. From 1983 to 1985, he coached gymnastics with Dallas, with Kenny Vineyard. Also from 1983 to 1984, Gary was with the Texas Armadillo Association. Sorry? The Armadillo? Travelled across Texas with the Armadillo Association, to promote a Texas nine-banded armadillo with a 30-foot plexiglass racetrack and eight live armadillos. Yes, they had armadillo races. The Texas Armadillo Association led to Gary getting a job with the American Eagles high diving team. Gary was also a cliff diver for 15 years and moved to Hong Kong for four months and Taiwan for three months. He was with the American Eagles professional high diving platform company. He was the feature comedian for the comedy trampoline show and was also one of the divers. They did regular diving and also comedy diving and Fucking the high hell. dive, which is 100 feet off of the towers. From 1990, <laughs> from 1990 to 1993, he coached tumbling trampoline and double minute at top of Texas Tumblers in Lubbock in Texas. Also from 2000 to 2005, after he left WCW, he coached at Metroplex Gymnastics of Dallas. He coached the Palestra of Dallas, he coached tumbling, trampoline, and double mini. He likes trampolining and jumping. He won Boy of the Year in 1976 at the Maverick Club. He was director of the Maverick Camp in 1986-1989. He's a nine-time national tumbling and trampoline champion, as well as a nine-time double mini trampoline champion. What the fuck? He's a two-time third <laughs> bronze medalist in the World Championships. He's also come first in the tumbling championships. He was first in the double mini trampolining. He's a three-time All-American. He's a three-time US Tumbling and Trampoline team member. He's a three-time Athletic of the Year in West Texas. As you can tell, he's from Texas, so I don't know why he's playing an Englishman. He won uh, an archery contest every year at the Maverick Camp. He won the most cheerful person three times at the Maverick Camp. He's also been a character most of his life, and more so as an adult. Literally, mostly costume characters. He was the armadillo on and off for six years. He was Skids the Penguin, for the Christmas funds of children in Atlanta, Georgia. He was Dr. Welby for the Scottish Rights Hospital in Atlanta, Georgia. He was the Mama Hawk for the Atlanta Hawks NBA basketball team in Atlanta, Georgia. He was the Tasmanian Devil, which was the official mascot for the 1998 Goodwill Games in New York City. And most famously, he was Wildcat Willie for World Championship Wrestling working out of Atlanta, Georgia. Um, Do you know who Wildcat, Wildcat Willie is? I've heard of him. Yeah, I don't he, really know much more about that. He's the WCW mascot that we haven't seen. Well, we've seen him on TV very, very, very briefly. Um, he's usually in the back dancing, and he's just like a fucking yeah. It's it's just like we have Roar. We used to have Roar down at Ewood Park, kind of like that. Um, Gary was also Jeeves, the Butler for Lord Stephen Regal and Dave Taylor, um, and obviously fucking Earl Robert Eaton, uh, the tag team of the Blue Bloods or the faction of the Blue Bloods. WCW was owned by TBS. Uh, Gary once said that yes, Ted Turner did sign my paycheck. And Gary was with TBS and WCW for almost six years until World, the World Wrestling Federation bought them out, and now the WWF is now the WWE. Oh, with these characters, uh, I, I was just wondering, did he also come up with the website Tumblr? Because he fucking likes tumbling. I, I've given him that <laughs> every day. I'm fair, tumbling. You know, fucking, <laughs> what the fuck? That I don't even Gary, know. What, I don't even know what to say. I really don't. Gary has obviously had a lot of fun performing uh, with these characters, but has also, to be fair to him, has done a lot of good work for the children, primarily of uh, Atlanta, Georgia. 
He worked with the children of the Armadillo Association for three years for the Special Olympics. Uh, he also carried on working as Wildcat Willie for five years with the Make-A-Wish Foundation out of Orlando and out of Atlanta. Uh, he's also dressed up as Wildcat Willie when going to hospitals uh, to see children all over the United States. Uh, Wildcat Willie also won first in the Scottish Rights Children Hospital Professional Celebrity Mascot Golf Tournament. Yes, he played golf in a costume Fucking and came hell. first. So there you go. There's a little bit of uh, there's a little bit of history on uh, Jeeves. You're welcome. <laughs> Macho, however. It's going to be in a cartoon called Dial M for Monkey, which actually aired as part of Dexter's Laboratory on the Cartoon Network. And here comes Fred Flintstone! Yeah, this. Yeah, we're we're actually not joking. Legitimately, Fred Flintstone's here. <laughs> I just can't... I, I don't... Why? Uh, anyway. We're not making for good <laughs> audio content here because I am fucking speechless throughout all this. Earl Robert Eaton does a Ric Flair impression and puts Macho in a figure four. He then pulls out a horm- horseman shirt and waves it in Macho's face whilst he's in the figure four. Macho reverses it and gets in some offence. Uh, he's about to go for the elbow and Jeeves pulls him down from the top rope, which gives Macho uh, the impetus to go for the chase. Whoa. Macho gets back in the ring, Whoa. gets a massive elbow off Hold and wins minute. it. Hold on a minute. Jeeves pulled Savage off the top rope. Yes. You could say he was tumbling. Oh, <laughs> he, he loves his fucking tumbling, doesn't he, Jeeves? He does. Like, if I can't do it here, you're going to fucking do it for me. Professional tumbler. Oh, Jesus. So Macho gets the uh, gets the pinfall for this from a massive elbow. The, the, the elbow, to be fair, was high up in the lights. So it was beautifully done. Um, he wasn't pissed off by the Eaton mess. He was inspired by Fred Flintstone, who was in the crowd. Uh, Alex Wright, come out. Alex Wright comes out with Jim Duggan and a guy I can't recognise for the life of me. He's come out before, hasn't he? And I thought it was um, Craig Pittman, but it isn't. I thought I initially thought, oh, it could be Elix Skipper, but it can't be. No, it's Elix too Skipper early. was way too young. So, who knows who it is. Um, they try and stop him from dropping a second elbow on Earl Robert Eaton, but he does it anyway. They all jump on him as he's on the mat and Doug Dillinger handcuffs Macho and leads him away from the ring for his own... Safety, as well as everybody else's, according to the commentary team. And and, and throughout him getting handcuffed, he and his thinking bad boys as well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, weird. This, this That was, yeah. Yeah, very weird match. Mm. Um, and it's the only time we're going to see Macho in this episode as well. Mm. Unbelievable. Next up, we're going to see Ric Flair and the Giant with Woman and Liz versus Sting and Lex Luger. Uh, once again, Fleur finds Deborah in the crowd and holds her hands very briefly as she sighs and looks away, crossing her arms in a very mad way. This is, for, this is for the tag team titles as well. Yes, that's announced later on. Um, Lex flexes and almost wipes Sting out completely during the entrance. Uh, I've actually seen this clip multiple times from home videos and stuff like that over the years. Uh, they, they, they use it quite a lot. I also noticed in Sting's hair, he's got like a one streak of blonde, yeah. like a blob. Um, his hair has got more volume to it this week. It does, yeah. Very bouncy. Yeah, Very he... uh, Michael McIntyre. Yeah, very. Yeah. Good call. <laughs> uh, he Bischoff says... He must have he... like, you know, washed his hair and just fucking let it dry naturally because that is very, very puffy for for his standards. Mm, yeah. He did have it slicked back last week as well, didn't he? Like proper gelled back. Uh, maybe that's what it is. He's not using the gel no more. Could be. Um, 
Bischoff indeed does say that it's for the tag team titles this match after Mongo asks. So what's going to happen to the tag team titles after this? Uh, Sting with all the speed and agility to start off hot as the two guys in the crowd torture rack each other. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, I can't fucking believe this, honestly. Oh, man. So there's two guys uh, probably like four rows up, so not on the front not on, the, not on the ground floor, but probably four rows up, and the camera kind of pans up, and we, it turns out that two guys are torture-racking two more guys in the crowd. Just so fucking good. Yeah. Like, Mark mentioned this to me before we started recording. I, I watched this last night, and I didn't see it, so I had to go and watch it, and I, I'm there. I've, I've gone to that episode of Nitro, I've gone to the last match, and I'm there pressing uh, the, the, uh, the button to fast-forward 10 seconds, we were doing that, and where I landed was uh, one of the guys who ends up in the torture rack. He's wearing like a salmon coloured t shirt. Before all this happens, he actually does the pump up motions with his hands like literally like a <laughs> minute beforehand. So he's got this idea, and then that's it. All, all my, eye, my eyes were just fixated on those on those four people waiting for them to actually lift up. And you don't actually see them lift them up, you see legs actually move up. And then all of a sudden they're on the fucking shoulders. (laughs) I don't know why this hasn't got more attention. Honestly, it deserves it. This is so fucking good. Oh, God. I've never Um, seen wrestling fans in the arena perform wrestling moves before. No, never. No. Never. It's as if they had a don't try this at home uh, vignette before, before the match and they're like, oh, shit, don't try this at home. Well, we're in the arena, guys. Let's try it here. Yeah, the guys that are in the rack as well, they're just like laughing and smiling and everything, just like, not even selling the moves. Yeah, it kind of fucking uh, dilutes the torture rack a little bit because they're like, yeah. yeah, let's go, you guys using this as a vicious finisher, and they're just laughing. <laughs> Man, I've seen some weird, weird things in stadiums at football games and stuff like that, but honestly, that has got to be that has got to be up there and deserves so much more attention. Um, that will be on our Instagram profile as a video, uh, just so you know. Just in case you, you want footage to go along with this podcast, go and check that out. Instagram.com forward slash NitroGenCast. Uh, that's where it'll be. Um, <clears throat> so we're going to try and concentrate on the actual competitors here. Um, Sting sends Flair down uh, and he drop kicks Giant off the apron. He tags Lex in and Lex gets a Gorilla Press Slam off on Ric Flair, sending him out to the outside where Giant catches him very delicately and puts him back on his feet before throwing him back in the ring to face a tagged in Sting Flair throws another tantrum as Sting rolls him up uh, and Flair kicks out at two, he slides out of the ring again and just runs up to the Giant and gives him a chop before running <laughs> up the ramp <laughs> as if to leave as we cut to a break while he that... was like, no no no, I want to find out what happens, oh that was so fucking funny, he just goes up to chop him, he's like all serious business, fucking runs up chop no effect. His eyes just widen. He's like, fuck it, I'm out of here. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking ace, man. That was so much fun. Uh, we come back from a break and we see Fleur being demolished by Lex Luger. Uh, Fleur attempts a shot, but Lex absorbs them all. Uh, a shot of chops and stuff like that, but Lex absorbs them all. Uh, Giant holds Lex, though, and Giant tags in now with Lex on the floor. Now it's Giant on top with the onslaught, tagging Fleur in to continue it. Uh, back and forth with the tags in the heel corner. There was uh, Luger takes another what? heenanism when uh, Giant is just throwing Luger around a little bit. 
uh, Mongo says, Giant is slinging him and abusing him like I used to with my little sister's Barbie dolls. Heenan quips, you played with dolls. Yeah. No, he actually asked, you played with dolls? Sorry. But yeah, again, just Heenan, quick as a flash, fucking burning Mongo. When I when I heard that, I kind of thought that Heenan was going to come out with something quite uh, sexual towards these dolls. You know, like, I bet you were playing with dolls. You know, that sort of thing. But he actually managed to get... See, I go to a very different place. Heenan managed to keep it fairly above board. Um, very good. Very fucking good from Heenan. Um, it's now giant on top with the onslaught. Oh, yeah. I've just... I've fucking done that bit, haven't I? Um, Luger takes a lot of the punishment well for a good couple of minutes, uh, building the heat. There's a figure four on him while woman is pulling the arms of Fleur to hyperextend it even more. Sting initially breaks the first one, but woman goes back for more, and this time Nick Patrick notices. Uh, but again, there's no disqualification, even though there's actual reason for it. Bit more giant punishment, and Fleur is back in. Uh, chops are now met with a right hand to try and build some comeback. Fleur whips Luger in, and Luger manages to come back with a forearm. 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 Uh, before getting the hot tag into Sting, who comes in with all the beans. There's rights and kicks and a gorilla press and a drop kick to Fleur. Uh, up Fleur is shot into the corner. He goes up and over and takes out the cameraman completely. Uh, <laughs> uh, Fleur and Sting are up on the top rope as the commentary say, we hope that the cameramen are getting danger money today, alluding to the previous hardcore match. And there's a big superplex off the top, something that we really don't see enough of in wrestling anymore. No. Sting gets a scorpion deathlock on while Lex takes care of the giant in the corner. Woman is in with the coffee and Luger runs over as she's about to throw it. Luger then ducks and the coffee hits Sting in the face. The referee throws it out as a disqualification. Oh my God, we found a reason to throw out a disqualification. And the giant hands out choke slams all the way around. Uh, Flair is covering Sting, demanding that the referee count, but he won't get it. The last shot is from the ring. Uh, sorry, the last shot from the ring is woman stroking the belt seductively while the commentary desk throws the handcuffs on Bobby Heenan. In a fun little trick to sign off the show. Wow, what a fun Nitro. I've got to say, I, I really liked it. I really, really enjoyed it. Yes, very, very weird show, but very fun. Very fun indeed. Wasn't wrestling, 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 wrestling. No, it was uh, no, hokey corky stuff. If you want if you want a pure wrestling show, then this isn't for you. But if you want a wrestling show that has a lot of comedy spots, you know, which I I absolutely love comedy spots. By the way, in wrestling, I know. Yeah. You know, you get you get the uh, I'm going to say you're going to get the old pricks. You're going to get Jim Cornette saying "funny don't make money," but in the right circumstances, it really does. And you know, I, I like to think that I I as a wrestling fan, like I am like most wrestling fans, I can go for a bit of the comedy spots now and then, and this is just full of them. It's yeah. a it's a really really good show for that. Yep, really, really good. I, I, I enjoyed it. Um, you can start this from after Hulk Hogan gets the win against Kevin Sullivan and Arn Anderson, as long as you just before Gene Oakland gets in the ring. From that point onwards, it's an entertaining show. It's not a wrestling show. It's an entertaining show. Um, the rating it got was a two point eight to Rose, three point one, and uh, obviously you've just given us a synopsis. What would your rating be, Ryan? Yeah, I, I would give it a two point five again. Uh, not I, like we said, not not the greatest wrestling show by any means, but a fun show. Yeah. Uh, Raw results uh, first off from April eighth, where Nitro, where sorry, where Raw ran unopposed. 
Uh, Vader defeated Yokozuna via a referee's discretion. I don't know what that's about. Um, Unterhurst Helmsley defeated Duke the Dumpster Drozzy. Arn. Arn? <laughs> Ahmed Johnson defeated David Boy Smith in an arm wrestling match. Uh, and Shawn Michaels defeated Jerry Lawler. And that entire show actually got a 4.7 rating. Again, unopposed. So all the wrestling fans tuned into that one. The results for the one that did clash, obviously April 15th. Uh, Wildman Mark Murrow defeated Leaf Cassidy. Uh, the ringmaster Steve Austin defeated Bart Gunn. Savio Vega defeated Goldust, who was the Intercontinental Champion. But moments thereafter, uh, another referee disputed a call. And WWF President Gorilla Monsoon vacated the Intercontinental title and ordered that the two compete in a rematch to be held next week on Raw. Raw today began at 8.57pm to get a head start on Nitro, which sounds familiar. Mm. And this is apparently the plan moving forward. Probably shouldn't give that away, really, because you know what Bischoff's going to do. He's going to start at 8.55. Yeah. Um, in other news in wrestling, Brett is uh, about to take time off after a tour of Germany. He's uh, outlandishly said that he'll never go to WCW, but wants to take time out to pursue his acting career. Uh, he says that if the business doesn't draw with Shawn Michaels as WWF champion, then he will come back to the WWF. However, if it does, then he has no place in the WWF and will not return. Uh, the WWF is also taking heat in the news from the LGBT community for the Gold Dust character. Oh, what a surprise! Like the the uh, the groups are upset that this character is being homoerotic towards people and subsequently getting beaten up for it which the groups say is happening in real life and isn't something to make light of. Goldust appeared on a talk show the previous week in character and came onto the host before security got involved, and this apparently was all a work. Uh, down south, many wrestlers have been suspended by the Mexican Sporting Commission for an event held by Treble A and organised by Conan, who has been handed uh, the biggest suspension than all of them for booking it. They say that it endangered the lives of many spectators, though people in attendance say there was nothing of the sort. The leader of the Sporting Commission is none other than Rey Mysterio Sr., who has had quite a few altercations with Conan. And on to WCW news. The Road Warriors handed their notice into WCW when they found out that the initial contract offering to Hall and Nash was substantially more than they were earning. They're disgusted at the difference in pay and used going back to the WWF as leverage in their deal. The issue with that is that their contract stipulates that they have to have a concrete offer matching or above the rate that WCW are currently paying the Road Warriors. And the WWF at this time isn't doing guaranteed contracts, so that has gone out of the window. The Road Warriors have decided it's probably best to stay in the WCW in WCW for the time being. And finally, in the saddest news... On April 15th, 1996, Brian Pillman was badly injured after falling asleep while driving his Hummer H1 in Kentucky, driving into a tree trunk and flipping the vehicle. He was in a coma for a week and suffered a shattered ankle, forcing doctors to fuse it together in a fixed walking position, which would be guaranteed to hamper his wrestling style moving forward. Wow. And there you have it. That's those two, that's those three weeks in wrestling. A lot um, to unpack. A lot, a hell of a lot. Uh, what do we do? What do we say? That's that's it for Brian Pillman's high flying wrestling career, which is a very sad note to to end this podcast on. Yeah, absolutely. But through that, he actually does develop his character a lot more. 
And I've only seen snippets of Brian Pillman in WWE, I admit. But what I've seen, what I know of anyway, as well, uh, you know, uh, Pillman's got a gun and things like that. You know, he he does end up becoming one of the most entertaining people in the business. So it it's, it, it's a sacrifice has led to... I don't even know how to finish that, really, you know. But it's led to other things for him, so we can't, I can't really be too disheartened. In the past, we've talked about Brian Pillman quite a lot, and as we've been watching these Nitros, and obviously as we've been keeping tabs as well on what's happening in ECW when Pillman's shown up, and what, obviously what we've discussed in the news there, me and Brian did have a conversation last week about possibly doing a, a special podcast episode on Brian Pillman, which uh, will be coming in the future, Brian, it's fair to say. Yeah, very soon. Um, we we did discuss whether we should leave it until after uh, Brian Pillman's sad passing because it would make for a good tribute. Uh, the problem is with that is that's going to be a year or so down the line uh, if, we, if, we, if we had to wait. Potentially, we are looking at maybe nine or ten months from where we are now. Because uh, him leaving WCW is symbolically him leaving the podcast, we're, we haven't really got a set date or time. Or, 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 set date or time. We haven't really got a set date on when we're going to record it or when we're going to release it. But just keep checking in with us. I'm, I'm pretty sure we'll have an announcement coming very soon. It will be coming. We'll keep you updated on that. It's uh, it's another new project for us to uh, to do venturing forward, but very much looking forward to it. Uh, the life and times of Brian Pillman, as you said, one of the greatest wrestling characters, even to this day. He's done things that have never been seen since. Obviously, it's impossible to do stuff like that because of the old 90-day no-compete no clauses and yada, yada, yada. Um, but the way that Brian Pillman went about things, even though uh, he was under contract and he had agreements with other people and he managed to get all three of the biggest wrestling companies in 1996 bidding after him and the ways that he did it so much so much stuff so much good content to remember him by so much good content to discuss and uh, really looking forward to discussing that one with you Brian coming very soon I will be reviewing episodes of Raw from this time period which will serve as a companion piece to the podcast it will be called Night Raw Jen uh, keep, uh, keep checking out our social media and it will be announced soon when it will be released you can catch us on all the usual social media channels. Uh, we also have a YouTube channel now that we're setting up, but we need your help on this one, guys. We need uh, we need people to subscribe to us. We need this because we can't actually have our own ident. So you can't have youtube.com forward slash nitrogencast until you've got a certain amount of subscribers and we can hopefully get to that level where we can change the name and we can actually give out the name youtube.com forward slash nitrogencast. However, at this moment in time, we are on Linktree. And what you can do is you can follow that. So it's L-I-N-K-T-R dot E-E forward slash NitroGenCast. You'll find all our links there for Instagram, for Twitter, for Reddit, for Facebook, for Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify Podcasts, Radio Public Podcasts. There is also a thing at the bottom if you fancy donating a pound or a dollar or five pound or five dollars or 20 euros or whatever to support anti-racism campaigns that's set up by Linktree and we absolutely 110% support them. We're hoping to get the podcast up and running on the brand spanking new platform that is Amazon Podcasts very very soon 
However, at this moment in time, they're being very elitist and just giving it to people who've got lots and lots of money. What a uh, surprise! <laughs> we're calling you out there at Amazon. If you don't get the Nitrogen podcast on your podcast platforms, then are you really a podcast mm. platform? For another episode, it's me, Marvelous Mark Ashworth, and it's my man over there, Brian Dasakton Kid Bradshaw. Like fantastic. Yeah, boy. We'll see you again for another episode of the Nitrogen Podcast on almost all your favourite podcast networks, just not Amazon. Fuck Amazon. <laughs> <laughs>